0: Welcome back to the Two Pointers Podcast, I'm Trevor. For those of you that aren't new here, you're probably wondering why I just introduced the show and why you don't hear Josh's voice. Well, to properly explain this, let's go back to before Game 1 of the NBA Finals last week. Legendary broadcaster Mike Breen gets placed in COVID protocols and the ABC Finals crew is in a pinch with Mark Jackson wondering who's his right hand man going to be to call the game. Well, lo and behold, they call in Mark Jones, famous Canadian basketball announcer. And in a moment's notice, he's calling game one of the finals. Well, in this scenario, Josh kind of, sort of is in COVID protocols, um, does not have his voice. And I guess in this case, I'm Mark Jackson. And joining me as Mark Jones today is none other than our longest tenured guest and now the co-host of the 1009 podcast, Grayson Hill. Grayson, how are you?
1: It's uh, good to be back sooner than expected, but uh, happy to pitch in and uh, sub in for Josh for a week
0: yeah josh should be honored i called him mike breen just now because i've that's... previously been referred to by some listeners as max kellerman and i'm still to this day trying to figure out if that's a compliment or an insult so um mike breen mark jackson max kellerman we've got all the famous names here uh, grayson hill to trevor everett whatever doesn't matter um, we are here to talk game one unfortunately for josh we're here to talk game one and game two of the finals we'll kind of go game one game two because of the way the show is structured Grace and I had apparently had a, some similar approaches to this where I took a bunch of detailed notes of game one because I think it's really important to understand the way the series looks moving forward with game one. Um, yep. I'm going to try to be Reader's Digest on some of the quarters I saw. but uh, And then game two is going to be a lot more of just the storyline, understanding how the series might have shifted. And then uh, we'll go with a couple of questions I've got for both of us uh, as well. And then we'll play a little fun game because unfortunately for those realizing now, uh, we're not doing trivia. The finale is next week. And uh, like you said a little early, He'll be back next week to do trivia, both Josh and Grayson. So uh, this will be a lot of fun. So game one, I'm just going to ask up front, like I don't have any questions for game one. All of my questions are based on once we're done breaking down what we saw. Um, Okay. So really just first reactions to game one, since I know that was a couple, I mean, it feels like, I think it was a week ago now. or getting close to it on Thursday. But uh, first reactions to game one, just what you saw, what you feel like.
1: Right. Uh, So, I mean, honestly, it felt like in that third quarter, right before we saw the big pivot in the game, I was like, were we all just this wrong about this Golden State team and this Boston team? I had a uh, Boston six prior to the series understanding that a split in Golden State first two games was essentially a necessity. And um, I, watching that game early, especially the first quarter uh, Steph was six threes. Um, it just felt like it was, you know, the pre KD era, almost. It's the splash brothers out there. Nothing you can do about it. Everything goes in and obviously the game turned later, but, at first, I was watching the Celtics fan, too, actually, and he was distraught, to put it simply, uh, at the start by Steph and just feeling like it was inevitable that this game got out of hand and stayed out of hand. But um, as we saw, it didn't. 40-16 to 16 Boston in the fourth was really the story of the whole game, I think. Going back to Boston's previous series, there were a lot of quarters that changed games and it got out of hand in that manner. And um, for Boston, they were down 12 going into the fourth, so they needed a huge run. And they got it, not from guys you'd expect. Uh, Al Horford and Derek White joined up with uh, Jalen Brown to carry that team down the stretch and uh, steal one. In Golden State to open the series.
0: So, a couple things before I piggyback on the point about some guys that stepped up huge. Uh, quarter one was very; I, it was so eye-opening because it's the it's the quarter I took the most notes on. Believe it or not, because I think it was really just I think gut reaction of what was happening. But there was multiple times where, and, and Tatum obviously, I'll get this out of the way. Like we all know, the first three shots he took, like two of them were like right off the right rim, barely hit the rim. First one was an air ball, so you could tell there was some finals nerves. I think that really does Absolutely. matter for game one on the yeah. road. I know it's not Oracle anymore. I don't care. I, from what I've heard, it's it's just as electric, maybe minus five percent. With that being said, there was multiple times, and they only did this in the first quarter, and it kind of almost infuriated me watching it. I'm not a fan of either team. For those that are new, not new here, but. Multiple times they would get a Steph switch where he was guarding Tatum on an attack. The Celtics would, and it, it, that was the only time the entire game they did it was the first quarter. Why they didn't from then on, I don't know. And even without the Steph, like you mentioned the Steph thing, I'm not going to digress on six threes, finals record in the first quarter, whatever. Right, tied Michael Jordan's game record a couple of years right. ago. Right, just
1: yeah, only That's Steph easy. can do that, honestly.
0: Right. There was, I don't feel like he was even the most impactful thing in that quarter. That's the crazy thing. And people are going to go, well, he had 21 threes. That sounds ridiculous. No, Kevin Lo- Kevon Looney and Andrew Wiggins were doing this like double cut action play. And every time they did it, they scored. They were literally six for six on that play. So Wiggins drastically improved what I was talking about, where I was like, hey, like I laid it out with who, who was on when we did the preview. Was it you? No, it was Caleb. Good. It was See, Caleb. I'm getting yeah, my yeah. weeks mixed up. This is fun. <laughs> we're in this stretch run at the end of the year and the NBA draft is throwing me off. So. I laid out the case, where I was like, "All right, cool. So, what's the X factor? Who's the X factor?" And I, I, I had the luxury of going last, and I'm like, God, "Shoot me if I had said this six years ago." But like, Andrew Wiggins was like the clear, obvious favorite for that. And in quarter one, it, I very felt, I felt okay with that. So far, no, right? I would agree. Yeah, I mean, he it showed up my big, and, and after that, it was just like making shots. It wasn't like, "Okay, cool, he's making shots here and there." It was just he would do the right thing when he needed to. He really isn't making mistakes this series, which I thought was impressive. Right. You mentioned the point about guys showing up big. I want to throw this out here because I was going to wait till we review both games, but I'm going to bring this up now so that we can show the difference in the two games even more heavily. So I have a stat here for you. You mentioned Horford, and you mentioned White and Brown, right? Those yes. were the three? Yep. That was so, a trio. So the best scoring three for the Celtics in game one, I actually have them. It's, it's take out Brown and insert uh, Derek White. Or, I'm sorry, Marcus Smart. So Horford, Smart, and White in Game 1 had 65 points combined. 65% from the field, rule of threes, 65% from three in Game 1. Why that's important, we're like, well, obviously we're talking about how well they were. We know that, right? They had a great game. I was going to save this for after Game 2. But in Game 2, they had 16 points, 26% from the field, and 29% from three.
1: Right, that was literally the definition of night and day, both from scoring and other contributions. I think ideally you find those three in the middle of those two extremes, but obviously, when you get them all hot like that, they did steal a game. But then, yeah, they didn't replicate that in any form or fashion uh, in game two.
0: I'll save my thoughts on the on the night and day part of it for when we get to the questions, because I think there's a testament to just how the finals games sometimes happen. I, I think I'm just, I'm just more so trying to really understand why I won't go too far into game two, because I have a couple more thoughts on game, game one was, there was just a lack of, I'm not, I don't want to call it effort because like second spectrum and, and synergy and all those things, they track actually track effort. And the Warriors effort from game one to game two was a, like a 44% swing, something stupid. I don't believe in the effort stat I believe in the distance ran that, that kind of tells you the more easy to consume stat, I guess, but. Yeah, yeah, he's it was, being active out there. My other takeaway, and this was game whole obviously, but really I noticed in the second quarter was was Tatum's passing. Tatum's passing was unbelievable. I'm sure you probably had that same takeaway, but even more so, he had he he just there was multiple plays in the second quarter where it was just like these stupid like ridiculous wrap around guys drive kick to Daniel Tice by the way hitting threes in the corner. Shot clock late, you know, passes to White. Like I called him uh, shot clock grenades a few weeks ago. I was like, somebody for the Celtics is gonna have to be the shot clock grenade guy. Apparently, it's Derek White because every single time in Game One, he got a shot clock grenade. He just, he just made it. I that's perfect. Really that's a perfect
1: name for it. You find like a guy open with two seconds up in the shot clock, and they put it up. And uh, in Game One, at least they went in a lot.
0: Well, and normally it's it's normally like a quote superstar that's supposed to be that guy. And it's right. Like the Celtics are like, no, hold my beer. It's Derek White. Like, yeah. Like, I just, I don't understand. This series is confusing from that standpoint because Tatum was was their primary playmaker. Um, I pulled up the stat. I don't know why I didn't have it pulled up in my notes, but Jason Tatum created or assisted on 38 points with his passes in game one of the NBA finals from Synergy.
1: Right, and he had um, 13 assists and 12 points. And if you'd ask a Boston fan if they steal a game with that stat line from him, they'd probably say no.
0: Well, right and even more so what did what did he have in game two i don't even have it pulled up he
1: anymore. had 28 in game two uh,
0: like see this is uh, we'll talk about the differences in the two games at the end because i i just have so many thoughts on that but i'd reached out to synergy to try to get a stat from game two because they unfortunately for some reason did not tweet from their own account after that stat for a couple of days, which was weird. So I reached out to him. I have not heard back yet. But if I get that stat, I'll, I'll tweet it out or I'll, I'll give them credit on Twitter. So be on the lookout for Synergy's answer to that. Uh, I'd be curious to know what his created and assisted number is uh, in Game Two comparison to Game One. But I'm sure it's not 38 is my point, I guess. But
1: yeah, I'd have to agree there.
0: I'm only halfway through like the first and second. I'm only through the first and second quarter. Of my notes there. The only thing I really took away from at least the first half. I didn't really pay attention to this in the second half. Was. I thought I did at least. This shows you how quickly you can like kind of change your opinion and learn from things. Is at first I thought I liked the Wiggins matchup on Jalen Brown, and then Jalen Brown opened up Game One with an ungodly you know start. So I don't know. Long term, obviously, we saw Draymond get switched onto him, and then it was just a game over from basically quarter one. I I don't know. Yeah,
1: they. I think the plan in Game Two worked much better. We'll get to Jalen Game Two, but I think that uh, over the course of the game, especially that plan seemed to have more effect on him offensively. In game two rather than game one, because, I mean, in game one, he was the catalyst for that huge run down the stretch to uh, flip that game essentially on its head and uh, get out with the win.
0: So I don't have a ton more because, obviously, we we all saw it was a huge swing, and this is obviously going out way after game one. We're just trying to catch up on this. But anything else from the second half of that game? Because I think there was a couple of glaring things, obviously. The Warriors obviously made that run and made it an attainable game. And it felt like if Steph had hit that three from 15 to make it 18 in the third, I think it was over at that point. Oh, yeah, Um, absolutely. I just – I don't feel like I took away a lot other than maybe like – there was a couple times – there was – I'm trying to figure out the way to word this. There was a couple of plays where Wiggins had had basically an ISO advantage on Horford. He scored like six straight buckets on Horford in the third. Um, But is there anything from quarter three and quarter four of game one that you really took away? Obviously, that was when the Celtics made that crazy run.
1: Uh, Yeah. I mean, Bill Simmons described it as a take the lid off the building three from Steph that didn't follow up 15. And you kind of saw things start to click for Boston in the wake of that. Um, I had some notes just on the run itself. The Celtics on seven possessions across three minutes, put up 20 points, hit five threes. Only shot they missed was a loony block. In the fourth as a whole, we said Boston had 40 points, 27 of those 40 were from that trio. I mentioned earlier in Brown, White and Horford, uh, 10 from Brown himself. So You know, you think it's got to be Tatum. It's got to be big. They found ways to win without him scoring. We said, you know, created or assisted 38 points himself, 13 assists. Um, So we kind of realized, you know, it's not my night scoring. He, You know, as great players do, found another way to, to help the team win. So, yeah, just that stretch from Boston, the 20 points in three minutes. If you had asked me what team does that in this series, in that building, I would have said Golden State immediately, and that what well, I don't think I would have thought about it for a second. Um, but it was very interesting to see a Warriors type run happen against them in their own building, especially in a game this pivotal, uh, opening the finals.
0: Yeah, all great stuff there. I, on the flip side of it, they also held the Warriors for almost five and a half minutes scoreless in the second half of the fourth quarter. So basically, right. when they needed to get back, it they couldn't. And and I'm, I'm trying to give enough credit where credit's due. I think it's an Odoka adjustment thing. Um, but I also think it's just a fell flat on their face, couldn't make a shot thing. I, I don't think they really did a lot. They, he had, he made a lot of great adjustments when Steph had 21 in the first and then zero in the second. I'm not mm-hmm. sure there was enough. I, I didn't see anything that stood out for me where I'm like, that's what they did. I just – I I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think the difference in the fourth quarter especially was – and they didn't have Smart in there. I don't think Smart's fully healthy. I'm not, like, aggregating anything. I don't know anything. I just, I, I just don't think Smart's, like, fully there, and I think that's pretty obvious. But yeah, he didn't why- take – he didn't take dumb shots like he just didn't take no, dumb he really shots didn't. in the fourth quarter of game one. Now game two is a little bit different story, but he made great passes when they needed him to play make. And that's I mean, game one pretty much went exactly how we thought it was. If, like you said, they were going to split the series. I think there was no chance they were winning a game two, regardless of outcome of game one. I just don't think the Warriors are going to lose game twos at home like that in the finals. It was going to happen.
1: Right. One note on the late and that issue Golden State had scoring to you know claw back. Is uh, Andre Iguodala played the first half of the fourth quarter, and I don't quite get why that happened. Um, he was essentially a non-factor on offense. They didn't have him and Looney on the floor at the same time in the fourth. They tried it earlier, did not work. That's two guys on the floor. You're just begging to shoot, essentially. Especially guys like Steph, Pool, and Clay on the floor. That can hurt you much worse than either of those two. So they kind of they flipped it halfway through the fourth quarter. Looney came in and. Iguodala left. But I think at that point, the tide had already turned to a point where it was difficult for him to just, you know, flip that warrior switch and uh, escape with the win.
0: Yeah, I, th- it, that's, I don't know. I'm just, I've seen the Iguodala thing and I'm trying to like figure out how I want to word this because I didn't have any notes on it. I've seen the Iguodala conversation this week and I just, I, I think Kerr just, he had the opportunity to play him. If that was the game you we are going to play him, I, I don't think we see him the rest of the series. I think it's an easy no. two shot and I think it's just a, they, they had a testament of not having Gary. It's a testament of them not having Gary Payton. Because as we see now, we'll talk about him in a little bit. Um, I have a he's related to one of the questions I have. I I don't know. It just, you could kind of tell that he just wasn't meant to be out there in the fourth. And I just don't understand why they didn't make that switch. Obviously, you don't want to play pool, especially against the Celtics when they went big. You don't want to play pool, Steph, and Clay together. And then play, right. you know, Looney there somewhere. Whoever your fourth guy is, who cares? Draymond there probably, obviously. But the biggest swing, just summarizing everything we've said, was the Celtics had outscored in the third, thirty-eight to twenty-four, and then they outscored the, the Warriors forty to sixteen in the in the fourth. So, and it's a testament to all the things we previously mentioned. So, uh, I don't have anything else on game one. I, I enjoyed watching it because even though I took detailed notes, I still feel like I took the most away from game one. Game two was more of, I, I really it took me a lot longer to do some notes on game two, and obviously a shorter amount of time. So, uh, where are we with game two? Are we ready to to talk about the biggest swing in the series going from game one to game two.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, we saw Jalen Brown come out for game two. He had nine early in the first quarter and it was like, here we go again. Um, but he finished with 17. So kind of stuff like in that he opened the game, hitting almost everything. And then, uh, he tailed off from there. And part of that was again, the adjustment by Steve Kerr to put Draymond on him. He did pick up two early fouls, which not to put on a fall hat, uh, That second one came right when you're like, is it a Boston night again? Um, They had a couple possession lead early in the first quarter, and they kind of got reeled back in. Grant Williams picked up a second in that time frame as well, but yeah, 13 of his 17 in the first quarter, um, nine in the first two and a half minutes, and then that was all we got from him offensively. Um, Like we said, Tatum bounced back, 28 six threes, uh, but it wasn't enough. The same avalanche we saw in game one. Uh, we saw in game two from golden state uh, and then some, they put the game out of reach pretty quickly after another half within two points, which was good to see with all the bloods we've had in post season. But um, those are my initial thoughts. What do you have?
0: No, I'm going to embrace the temple hat thing for a second. Cause I think, it, I think you're right. I think there's a lot of things I took away. And this is the, I, I made this comment off recording earlier to Joshua. He was uh, here with us before he walked away. And I just, I, I, maybe it's watching these games and I having to really understand them on a deeper level than just watching him as a fan and enjoying good basketball. Maybe that is it, but I just, I don't want to be too tinfoil, Hattie, but I'm going to. I heard a great point from Trey Kirby from No Dunks to the Athletic earlier today, and I had to share it. Uh, I think Jeremiah Green might have gotten his first tech on purpose because he knows his leash is a lot longer when he has a second tech in a finals game.
1: Or I mean, one tech why, in a game. why would he not? I mean, Steve Javi said it live on television as part of that broadcast that we think about that it's in the back of our head and we're not going to throw him out in this spot in this game. And I mean, he's in the past seen what happens if it doesn't go his way. He got suspended for a finals game as we all remember. Um, Yeah. Game five famously. (laughs) Right. And it was thought that he should have been tossed and suspended sooner as we saw the other night as well. I think it's, if he's got it in his head, they're not going to throw me out in a home playoff game. You know, early on in the third quarter when the uh, the Brown thing happened, I I mean, why would you not? If they're gonna just give you at least one that we've seen to this point, Mulligan on a double tack with that one already on you, I I don't see why he wouldn't. I mean, it worked with respect to Brown. We saw him offensively disappear after that first quarter, especially. I mean, the first couple minutes of that first quarter. Um, So if that's what it took them to win, and it worked, and he's not getting tossed, I don't see why he doesn't do it every game the rest of the series.
0: Yeah, he'll start playing with fire and eventually you do get burnt. And obviously he's famously been burnt before. And obviously him going out in Game 5 in 2016 changed the shape of NBA history. But I, he just – and it's not, like I said, I mentioned the synergy thing where it's the up and down, the 44% more, you know, effort per se from Warriors from game one to game two. I think Draymond Green had a hundred and forty percent turnaround in effort from game one to game two. Not oh, I believe play. it. He was extremely active. Yeah. It was just one of those things. He was like, I'm going to make a stamp on this game in some form or fashion, whether that's me. And if him getting kicked out might have been a bad thing, but really it might have also been a good thing. I, I don't know at this point without knowing because he didn't get kicked out. In terms of takeaways, I want to transition to Boston for a second because the Draymond Green thing is just... I, I love him just as much as anybody else does in terms of defensive... Impact and energy and all that stuff. Sometimes he can be nauseating. Talk about the finals. However, on the other side, on Boston's side, I took away very quickly two things. They can't play Horford and Williams together the rest of the series if the Warriors are are playing their best lineup. And we'll talk about best lineup in a minute. Spoiler for the questions. I thought the Horford Williams coming into the series, and this is where you just you you you, what take your own medicine or you you eat your own words and you learn from this in the podcasting world or in the media world is. I thought the Horford-Williams lineup together was going to be great. I thought it was going to be the best possible counter to any Looney lineup, and it wasn't at all. And obviously that's a that's partly in problem to Robert Williams being hurt.
1: Uh, I mean, yeah, just to that note, uh, over the two games, Boston's plus one on the glass, which you don't expect. Uh, that's a team that you would assume wins the battle in the paint and the glass. They got killed in the paint in game two, but obviously it's a little bit distorted because of how out of hand it got. It was essentially, a three quarter game for all intents and purposes. But um, I, yeah, you would think with a lineup like that, you know, you control the paint, you don't give the Warriors those kick out offensive boards that turn into Stephen Clay threes that we saw uh, at points in both games. But it just hasn't happened like that. I don't know if that's a testament to Robert Williams not being fully healthy. We only saw him 14 minutes in Game Two, and he was one of the first to get pulled. Right when you kind of thought, all right, you know, pack it up and head to Boston one one. And so, I mean, between him and Smart. Um, a couple other guys for Boston, they really were not shy about pulling that trigger. And uh, I wouldn't say punting because they did keep it competitive in the fourth quarter. But um, they had no intention to trying to mount another massive comeback um, just because of the energy it would take and uh, the games we have in the future.
0: So sometimes and, and why I brought up there was two points here. I'm going to tie the two or three things I have for these together. So I'm glad we addressed the Robert Williams thing. I brought up the Horford piece of that, obviously, as a lineup together. The next thing I want to tie together to, and these are just going to domino themselves for, until we get done uh, to go to the questions, but at least from my end, Horford didn't take a single shot in game two until the third quarter. So if you're right. going to not be able to play Horford and Williams together, then one of them, whether one of them will play is more or not, as you said, Williams obviously played only played 15, 14 minutes, but Horford has to be more aggressive. And obviously the Warriors contested. It's, I, I saw it, and I didn't write it down. It was something stupid, like 80% more shots or something from Game 1 to Game 2. Obviously, he's going to make more in Game 1 like that, but you can't have Hal Horford, who was your most important offensive player in Game 1, taking no shots until the third quarter, and it was halfway through the third quarter at that. Right. On top of that, though, the Celtics also didn't help themselves. You you've, you, and I both know this. I don't have to like probably repeat this, but they were 35% from the field in this game. Like,
1: I got they ran down, too. You just can't, at, it can't happen. It can't, can't happen.
0: And, and like, at any point in
1: the playoffs, I don't care who you're playing. You get in that best sixteen teams in the league. You're not winning on the road, shooting thirty five percent. It just doesn't happen.
0: That's what's crazy is they're eight and three on the road.
1: (laughs) Just yeah, they're one off the record. Yeah, and that was Golden State's first home playoff loss. They were looking at potentially running the table at home uh,
0: with the postseason, which is nuts. And it they're five and four in Boston. So I really am. I'm. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to just lose sleep the next day or two trying to figure out my thoughts on Game Three before it even happens. But. They were also on pace, not just, just to finish the point on the 35% thing, I'm glad we both had that down, but at one point they were on pace to shoot the worst two-point percentage. They shot 25% from twos uh, through I think most of the fourth they ended up finishing with like 29%. They were 3% off finishing the worst two-point percentage in playoff history, not just finals history. So it's just, look, it, not to spoil my questions, but it's just a testament to game one and game two. Like it, it's it's right. just the difference in, in guys don't make shots, guys don't defend shots. Or in this case, the Warriors defending shots really, really well the Celtics aren't making them because the Warriors didn't have a stout offensive game. They only scored one more point or one less point than they did in game one. And they won by well, tw- what, 20 almost. So, Yeah. The part that I kind of summarize, and, and if you have anything else before I move on, stop me. But where I want to kind of come together with game one and game two is understanding that, that, that uh, glaringly the Warriors won the third quarter, 73 to 38. They're a third quarter team. We've known that since Steph was basically Steph, since he won his first MVP. I guess the question that's not really a question I have written down is like, what can, what has to change in the third quarter? Because the Celtics can't win this series if the third quarter keeps going like this. They really can't. I I hate to say that might seem drastic, but I don't think that's drastic. So I don't
1: think so either. No, you can't lose. I mean, we saw in the Miami series, they get outplayed for quarters and, you know, they play three good quarters and lose one bad and they would get blown out. Uh, And Golden State's better than Miami. So if you want to play with fire like that, I don't see it working out at all, whether it's in Boston, Golden State, either place. Um, I'd have written down 19 turnovers. They lost the points in the paint by 16. Um, neither one of those things can happen. against a Golden State team uh, just because of you know their lack of size and you have to take advantage of that. And if you're giving them extra possessions, odds are they're going to score points off of them, and it's hard enough to beat them when you do take care of the ball, as we saw in game one. Um, I don't know how many turnovers they had in game one, but it wasn't 19. I don't believe, uh, but just things you can't do in games against this team happened and they kind of snowballed just real quick. When the wheels fell off, kind of like I mentioned in game one, um, there was a Tatum three to cut it to six with about four and a half minutes left in the third. And you kind of got that. Here we go feeling again. Uh, Golden state scored the next 11 and that kind of, you know, it was like, all right, eh, never mind. It was golden state by 17. Tatum split fourth free throws and then Golden State got the last six of the third quarter and they were up 23 headed to the fourth. My last note was drive home safely. It's my last note for game two. Cause at that point it was like uh, 12 points is one thing. 23 points after 12 points is another thing. It's just not going to happen. And we saw the white flag from Boston pretty early in that fourth quarter.
0: Yeah. and Look, it's, it's a Testament. I hate saying it's a Testament because a lot of things is how I'm tying this together is how I'm wording that. But it's to my point I made a few weeks ago about when you're playing Golden State and you're down or you're up by eight, you're actually up by three or whatever that formula, like I said, I feel so bad I can't remember who, who and I couldn't find the tweet. I tried to, maybe it got pulled down. But there was a formula, long story short, if, if, you're not, if you've never heard it before, not you, but listeners in general, is if you're actually, there's a formula that someone made, and it was really good. I just, how I remembered it was, basically if you're down by, or up by 12 on Golden State, you're actually only up by five. Because of the way it swings and how many points per possession they scored in games this year, and it was specifically based right. on this year. But in general, that's just the history of them. That this third quarter is 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 a sign of that, right? I'm gonna go ahead and ask this question because this is a poor question of mine. But I just want to make sure I'm understanding the series maybe a little bit, but better. Right. But this is the this is the only crappy quote unquote crappy question. I actually wrote down two of them as we were talking because I'm gonna learn things. But there's only there's two big ones that I want to go over, and then two okay. more that'll tie together. So the one that I can't grasp my head around is, and I'm trying to think of other finals maybe comparing these to them, but is this just one of those those series where each game's going to be relatively good for most of the game and have each game's going to have a different feel? Or is this just, or is there some other way I need to be looking at this? Because I really, my takeaway, and I want to see, and this is why I think this question will take long, as you may agree with me, I think it's just going to be one of those series where each game has a different storyline. Each game has a different it's not just this glaring like, okay, that's Golden State and that's what they're doing and that's what's happening. Each game has something different where I'm having to really think. Is that like – am I wrong to think that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think in general that's going to hold true. I mean, we saw in game one it could be anybody on any given night and Al Horford putting up almost 30. Um, you know, guys like Derek White, um, Jordan Poole off the bench, respectively, for both teams can – you know, it could be their podium game that night. And with how good these two teams are, it's probably going to be enough to push that team over the edge and get the W that night. Um, so I think, you know, I'm hoping we see games similar to more so game one and that it's entertaining throughout. We've had two point games at half times both games, um, which is refreshing. We had some just quarter and a half and that's it games in the conference finals. Um, and so, you know, for our final series between two teams, this good. It's good to see, um, they are hanging pretty close. We've had about seven quarters of, you know, impactful basketball. The fourth quarter of game two was pretty much uh, mailed in, but, um, it's been – I've enjoyed it from an outside perspective as, as an OKC fan. Um, I'm obviously rooting a little bit for uh, Al Horford in his half season with the Thunder. But, um, yeah, back to your question. I think we do see, hopefully, um, some storylines start to develop and guys that I mentioned, you know, White Pool, those kind of unsung guys, X-Factors and Wiggins, um, start to really put their stamp on the series.
0: All right. So, I'm actually going to add a que- – these questions won't take long, I promise. I'm going to add a question. So, I forgot – that you told me this before we recorded Uh, this is your, this is your official like elevator pitch of what, and I'll I'll ask it as a question since we're on the questions part of the segment. What does Al Horford need to do to win finals MVP? (laughs) Uh,
1: If he can keep the six of eight from three thing going, uh, I think there's a compelling case, especially if we see Tatum uneven. Uh, I mean, honestly, I I don't think I'd bet it after game one, if I had to, Um, it'd be hilarious. And the You know, Steph Curry and his Hall of Fame career is in finals that Andre Iguodala and Al Horford won finals MVP. Um, I think that would be one of the better footnotes in finals history. (laughs) Maybe not for Warriors fans. Um, But, I I mean, if he – I think game two ended any Cinderella story with that respect. But um, if he can replicate game one in any fashion repeatedly over these next – we're guaranteed at least two more games in the series – I yeah, think there's going to be some some push for it.
0: Yeah, he'll join the likes of uh, Cedric Maxwell and uh, let's see anybody else that's weird that won Finals MVP. Dennis Johnson for the I think we're, we're, we're due year. for
1: one. It's there's been too many stars. We need another Iguodala year.
0: Well, I don't know if we're due for one. It happened a few years ago, and I didn't like it then. I don't like it now. Um, I think it should go to the guy that absolutely deserves it. Um, that's beside the no, point. I, I could, we'll be here for three hours if I. Go down that rabbit hole. So uh next question is is Grant Williams unplayable?
1: Something's gotta change. Um, if he can have a big bounce back night like we kind of saw from Wiggins in game one after an uneven uh conference finals, I, maybe I wouldn't call him unplayable yet. I think he's talented enough to overcome uh the issues he's had. I will say getting form tackled by Draymond Green and picking up a foul. Is a little bit beyond his control. Um, I know the Rams are throwing some money around, but I think they're out of money, Draymond, so maybe stop doing that. I think he's also a young guy and they don't always, you know, when we saw Jason Tatum airballing his first shot finals. So I think it, that could be some extended effects of just, you know, holy crap, I'm in the finals in year, I believe two, maybe three. Not a spot he's used to. And he, he's, he is a role player, but he does play a key role for the Celtics team. So I'm going to hold off on unplayable yet, but I think if we see a game three um, with similar performance to the first two games, then we may not see him as much anymore.
0: Well, so first of all, that's very responsible view to say not yet. However, I, I don't even have his box score from game one, game one in front of me, but I do know that in game, obviously game two, that, that tackle and all that, I get it. Like that was terrible call. That's probably one of the things that, that shouldn't have happened the most, but he can also control the five points and one rebounds thing in a contributing game. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. It. I'll just I'll just answer it and then I'll move on to the question that correlates to it. Um, I I think as of right now he is, and the reason I say that is I want to I know now. Think talk this out loud here, which is why I wanted to leave plenty of time for these questions. This is the one we're going to spend the most time on. What is the best crunch time or best lineup for the Celtics, and what's the best one for the Warriors? We can start with the Celtics since we're talking about Grant Williams.
1: I. Can't get those Derek White minutes in
0: game one out of my head, I think. Let's try to agree on one because it's harder okay. to do, like, the Ryan Russillo-Bill Simmons thing where you go right. back and forth and do it. Let's try <laughs> to agree on one. I'm, I agree with you. In crunch time, and obviously you can say best lineup, playing them in the second quarter or whatever. I want, and I, I've always made made this point, is, like, I don't care what the first whatever minutes is. It, I, want, I want to know in six minutes or less what best possible – lineup I'm going to get endurance wise performance wise defensive wise whatever so I agree with you Derek White's got to be in it in some form or fashion I'm writing them down as we go so
1: I mean I was I remember the Celtics fans was watching game one with was genuinely surprised he like at one point where is Marcus Smart and we kind of looked at this court and looked at the court and we're like I mean White's in there and they're winning this game right now and is he going to come back and he did eventually but um, so yeah just for that alone and the effect he had in that first game I would yeah you have to have him in there
0: so i have i have white as well and then so here's what i had let's just do it this way here's what i had and i want to see if you disagree and i think i think this is probably right mm-hmm. i had white smart brown tatum horford i think you get everything you need
1: that that's pretty well rounded that would be yeah
0: i think healthy
1: that's healthy the other thing though.
0: too yeah. healthy if, if all right so let's say the robert williams here's the only flip would be if robert williams is there are you taking white or smart out you have to take white out right
1: Yeah, and that's tough because we've seen it work with White, but I think, not that that was a one-off, but I think we've got more to the good with Smart in situations when he's not taking ill-advised shots like we saw against Miami, Um, but yeah, I think you would have to take out White if you do have 100% of Rob Williams, who's absolutely going to be on the floor as well.
0: So I was prepared for this one to take less time than the Warriors one, so I think we can agree. I think right now, based on what we know with Williams' health, I think it's white smart brown tatum horford right yep the other side is where it kind of gets funky because of what we know because we know a lot right now and i'll tie the other i'll tie all these questions together in just a second but the agreeing part is going to be tough because i i I have i have a i probably think we're going to disagree i'm going to go ahead and pencil in steph and we can go from there so steph's in the crunch time lineup okay i'm actually (laughs) let me go ahead and pencil in Draymond because i'd be an idiot if not so um, Penciling and Steph and Green I have Green at like three or four It doesn't matter here It's positionless basketball Right This is where it gets weird Where do we go now? Like wh- what is this two, three, and five?
1: I'll tell you where we don't go Is uh, Andre
0: Iguodala Okay, so Iggy's he, out We got That's, that okay. Yeah, I... okay Got it This is tough See, This is where do- yeah, are, you, are, you, about... are you playing Looney? I, I don't know That's the issue Because they're you playing have... Horford Right? They're playing Horford
1: I think you have to just with respect to that Steph or Clay three kicks off the glass, he gets it, turns, kicks, and it, you know they get that second chance pop
0: three. Which Better by the see. way they did a ton in game one, like that oh, happened absolutely. a ton in game one, and 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 when it almost mattered the most, and it was yeah it was very nauseating to watch if I'm if I'm a Celtics fan.
1: Yeah, no, I mean that's I think for that effect alone, you're given you know the best shooter of all time and his uh, his companion out at the three-point line, just extra shots. So I think that's – especially in a closing lineup, you, you want as many – you want to just milk the clock and get as many shots as you can. Um, and they're going to take quality shots out there most of the time as well. So I think just for that alone – and it's demoralizing too. I mean, if you give up a board to the only guy with, you know, that size in Golden State, he turns around and there's Steph wide open or even contested, that sometimes it doesn't even matter. You can have a hand in his face. He's, it's going to go in. Um, so I think just – fueling that as much as you can you have to have looney in there
0: this is where i struggle because we we, i think we were going to agree i think looney some people are going to have green at the at the small ball five and then they play a a heavy switch line i just here's where i struggle so we got the looney i i agree i think looney has to be in there in crunch time i don't i don't think that's a debate and it shouldn't be i'm going to throw a couple things out there that you may not know so porter's on a minutes restriction i didn't know that until yesterday
1: I didn't either. That's news to so,
0: me. So Porter's on a minutes restriction. So we're going to assume that Otto Porter's not in there, even though you
1: he, – might be pretty effective, yeah.
0: In six minutes, it, it, do you save him – like do you do you risk him getting cold for three and a half quarters and then you play him – I just, I just yeah, can't. I, don't, I just no, can't. No. Right? So I'm going to rule out Porter. Okay. The other, the other X factor or the other X factor in this scenario that I'm trying to figure out is Gary Payton – Yeah. I, that three he hit in game two was basically like the thing that kind of woke him up. Defensively, he's unbelievable, obviously. And then I I don't know if his elbow fully healthy. I think I'm struggling to figure that out. So how do we finish this lineup is was how I was going to word that. It's like knowing the Porter thing and knowing that Gary Payton might not be ready. I think he might be like 85 90% enough to play in a finals game and, and use adrenaline to get him through it. I would take 90% of
1: him, if I'm honest, just because of the defense alone. I mean, you know, he's not the first, second, probably even third option on offense in any given set. Um, But I think defensively alone, I think he's shown enough. I think it's tough to gauge his health because we haven't seen him in so long. I mean, he missed in excess of a month. But I think uh, just effort alone, the execution he's capable of. uh, If we get 90% of him, I would want him out there just for defense, honestly.
0: So then process of elimination, it's, it's Clay, right?
1: Yeah, I can't. I mean, it's hard to imagine that any Warriors lineup in any, you know, pivotal situation without him. I think, you know, it's been a rough go of it. Uh, 100%. he had a yeah, 419 shooting in game two, chipped in 11 points. Not himself. He's shown flashes of it. And I think you have to put him in there and hope that those flashes pop up in that time frame, that last six minutes.
0: And that's, that that's why I wanted to do this exercise. This whole thing was to understand what best lineup we we're seeing. Cause by the way, those two lineups, the Celtics played that lineup. The, the Warriors did not, they played Iguodala in game one and then didn't have to worry about playing anybody really in game two. They didn't play Ke- Peyton most of the fourth, as well as clay. They just left in even though they're all right.
1: He was actually play. out in game two with knee inflammation,
0: allegedly. Right. So he, exactly. So they're not, we had to make sure he was not in that equation. So we know the lineups, at least what we think are the lineups, the problem I'm having, and this is how I to answer the question that's correlated to it can the Warriors win this series if Clay continues to just have these games? Like, can they, like, is this possible? Are the Celtics going to win this series if Clay continues to play this poorly for the rest of the series?
1: I mean, if the shooting from game two carries over, especially into Boston, I know Boston's been pretty uneven there as good as they've been on the road. I just don't, I don't think pool does enough certainly to, you know, offset that loss of explosiveness, the threes, everything else. I would struggle to have them win the series, especially knowing Boston now has home court, which again, that's been hit or miss for them, but you know, TD garden is going to be very prepared for these warriors uh, come tomorrow night. So um, I think clay is going to have to have a clay game and it may very well be game six, which I have personal experience with, unfortunately, Um, but they may be in a closeout by game six. It would be a necessity, not a luxury at that point. And so I think he's obviously earned enough over his career to have, as many minutes as he wants, um, you know, you may alter some rotations if he's warming up or maybe not. But he's going to have to figure it out because I think we've seen some pretty good quarters from Steph. I'd say five, you know, Steph quarters to put it like that. Um, game one, he struggled after that first quarter, but I mean, twenty-one of the first, you can have a little bit of uh, cooling off. But I, I, I would struggle, especially the Warriors. I'd be more concerned as a Warriors fan just. What's it going to take to get him going? Because I, I agree with you. If Clay's putting up 11 points a night, I don't see them winning the series.
0: Yeah. So, and the whole point I wanted to ask it was, was I almost wanted to take him out of the lineup, but then I went, well, who the heck are we putting in there? Like, I, if, right. That if was, know, I struggled with that too. If we know the Porter thing, if we know the Iggy thing, if we know the, like, it, at that point, you have yeah. to play him, right? So, Porter's
1: been great. I, I mean, he was knocking down key threes in game one. I don't have his box scoring game two ahead in front of me, but I do remember a couple times he was hitting shots as well, um, which that's not over six minute stretches. That was the big point with this exercise and the, you know that closing lineup where you, these are the five guys and we're rolling with it and we need this game. I think you still have to put Clay in that lineup, even what we've seen through two games.
0: It just, it just showed the glaring, Gap that ultimately the warrior. This isn't a, the same deep warriors team we've seen in the past. As even when they had like KD, they had like Sean Livingston, and they had Iggy, and they had guys. I'm forgetting right this moment, but you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Whatever. Right. Yeah.
1: There. Yeah. There were shooters on the bench to be had.
0: The other point with that is the clay shooting thing. Like I agree. I, I brought it up because I thought that. It, I, I just don't know if they could win the series if he shoots. Let's just say he averages 11 the rest of the series. Like that's what he's averaging right. right now, pretty much. My problem is 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 the. He he did a great job when they switched. It was a testament to Draymond playing better defense on Brown. Like I said earlier, they put Draymond on Brown, and then Clay's job was to follow around. Oh my gosh, who was it? Horford, and that's why Horford right. didn't shoot very well. Mm-hmm. He's not defending Horford by any means. Horford's not a dribbler. He's not a he's not a playmaker. He's not a ball. No. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Clay's job was to just literally just follow him. And I guess right now, like the two things, if if Clay's not dribbling, and because he, he absolutely can, he tried to in game one to try to get himself going. He actually he should, tried yeah. to go on ball, and it just didn't work. At all, and he just needs to. I, I think he needs to average like less than thirty dribbles a season for the rest of his career at this point, and that's not a joke. I really wish it was, but I, I just don't know if if eleven points and following Horford around because if Williams gets healthy in Game Five and Six, like Horford comes out, what is Clay going to do on Robert Williams at that point? It's just a confusing Finals. I don't know. Yeah, I, I just thought Clay <laughs> shooting poorly is just not going to happen, and I just eventually something's going to happen. Yeah, very well Maybe game six. I hope that maybe it doesn't get to that point. We'll see. But uh, right. I mean,
1: I think the hope in Golden State is that clay offensively shows up before Robert Williams does from a health perspective. And then, you know, if he is back shooting anywhere close to what we've seen as Pete clay, then that's a, that becomes a no
0: brainer that he's on the floor. Is Udoka being outcoached by Steve Kerr?
1: I think giving him the respect he deserves as a first-year head coach, I think we can give a little bit of leniency. But, I I mean, just the drastic shift we saw from game one to game two, I think the adjustment battle is being won by Kerr at this moment. Um, Now, if we see a game three where Boston comes out, that home crowd's electric, and they just blow the doors off Golden State, then this changes the conversation um, as the different game one to game two. Uh, But I would say right now, you know, Kerr dropped game one, I hate the term must win this early in a series, but you go down two on the finals, headed back on the road, things aren't looking good. So um, I'll give Kerr credit. He did make the adjustments they needed, especially on Jalen Brown. He pretty much produced a disappearing act. We saw some stuff offensively in game one uh, with Brown in game two. And uh, Tatum bounced back, wasn't enough. Um, they pretty much said, you know, Tatum's got to beat us by himself, and he couldn't do it. So, yeah, I'd have to go Kerr to this point
0: the whole reason I asked this question was because I wanted to make sure people realize that the answer right now is yes, even though, and it's not like this, you made the case where it's not this, this, this insurmountable gap. However, Uduka all year has been really good with adjustments. Like that has been for a first year coach. That's something with a team you've never played with before a team, by the way, that had a losing record through December 26th this year. Like, all the things were going wrong. If you, you if someone had told you on December twenty seventh the Celtics would be one one in the finals, like you, nobody would like I would have put a Right million there were a
1: five hundred team at Christmas time and then they went to Golden State install game one in the finals just months later. So
0: that, I would yeah. have put a I would have put a million dollars on Boston to make the finals if someone had told me that on December twenty seventh with confidence. It and I'm not going to I wasn't going to anyway. But the point I'm making is ever since that point He's, he may have been unbelievable adjustment-wise. I think that's one of his biggest testaments as a coach or one of his biggest strengths. I'm going to stop saying that word. One of his biggest strengths as a head coach, and I, he's just going to have this unbelievable future. He's doing exactly what I thought Willie Green was going to be able to do in, in New Orleans, and this is not to get down the rabbit hole. But what I, my point was, and the reason I ask these questions, is part of the reason I ask questions that I think are good is if they're points I have to make and I want to find a way to see if I feel right about him or wrong about them, I think he's got he's got an unbelievable adjustment of some kind up his sleeve with an understanding of what he's got with Robert Williams. I think that's going to be his biggest thought process here. So my point is is I, I think right now Steve Kerr is out coaching him, but I think it's just a matter of he just has to figure out what to do with Robert Williams. And I, I think something's going to happen in game three or four. Maybe it's in a closeout game in game five or six. You never know. But I think udoka has got something up his sleeve, and I don't know what it is just yet. So I'm hopeful yep. that he can because I mean he's going to have to be the better quote better quote coach. I feel like we're you know, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I feel like we're first take talking now, but <laughs> he's going to have to do something in game four or five as an adjustment that I think is going to be the difference maker in this series. So Yeah, I mean, and
1: uh, obviously with a healthy Williams, those wrinkles get a lot easier to add into a game plan. Um, but, again, uh, there's extra rest in these finals, but I don't know if that's an extra day is going to help Williams all that much. Um, we'll see. Again, we're recording on Tuesday night, so we're about 25 hours out from game three. so. I saw him limping at points in game two, and I was like, I don't know why he's still in the game. And then obviously, uh, that big Golden State run immediately uh, followed that, and we did not see him um, late in the game, which I think is smart. Uh, there's no reason him and Marcus Smart, if the game is at that point, again, it's game two of the seven game series, or best of seven series. Um, your best interest is to uh, get those guys as much rehab as you can.
0: Yeah. And regardless of how, let me to summarize and to close before we go to the next segment is, Ultimately, I'm a proponent of if you can get it to, especially in hockey this year. I I watched a lot more hockey this year. I'm going to make this stupid hockey analogy. But when you can get it to be 1-1, like it's really anybody's series. So That's a big point in hockey and baseball. But in basketball, I I don't necessarily believe it as much because Game 1 and Game 2, depending on how they went, I I can kind of be like, well, it's obviously this guy's series right now. But really, I I think this is just wide open, and and that's just not a bold take. It's just the fact that that's how big of a difference there was between Game 1 and Game 2. So. Yeah,
1: it's anybody's serious, to say the least.
0: We're going to work on uh, now a game that I've been wanting to do maybe this offseason a little bit. I know this game has kind of died down a little bit. Uh, but we're going to go, and since unfortunately I'm just going to spoil this for, for those that aren't new here who absolutely love this segment. Unfortunately, you'll see in the title by now. You also realize, as soon as I started talking at the beginning of the episode, that Josh is not here. So you're probably thinking, well, the trivia finale is sometime in the next couple of weeks. You you guys are probably confused on when the heck that is. Um, It's going to be next week. So, like I said earlier, I think I might have said this. I don't remember if it was before or after we started. But Grayson will be back immediately following this next week to do the trivia finale that he's had all year to prepare. Uh, No pressure. But it's kind of hard to do trivia without Josh. So That's pretty uh, important. I feel like it wouldn't be as fun to sit here and just, like, me throw a trivia question at you as if it was Josh, and it just it it just it just didn't make sense. So, um, neither of us have played NBA Purl today. There's no way for you guys to verify that that is true. Uh, for what it's worth, Josh got it in four and did not tell us anything right before we started, before he walked away. So, uh, with that being said, instead of going and quizzing each other on it, we're going to try to figure this out as fast as humanly possible in hopes that this will suffice the download uh, discrepancy with trivia being gone. Totally kidding. Please, 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 if you've made it this far, uh, subscribe. Guess number one, we kind of actually talked about this before, and it's helped me. The last couple of weeks, I have done PJ Washington with all the funny stuff with Charlotte and the memes on Twitter. I'm not going to digress. We're not going to talk about it. You can go look it up yourselves. But PJ Washington's been an unbelievable guest, and you guys can steal this. I got it on two, three days in a row last week because I guessed PJ Washington. Talking it out loud, I'm going to go ahead and type in PJ Washington, and him and, him and I are going to do the same thing. Before we react to that, the reason I do that is because the southeast, for some reason, in the east has like went on this stretch where it was just picked unbelievable an unbelievable amount. The southeast and, and the uh, Atlantic were for a while just unbelievably picked in the east. Regardless, you get a division; it's kind of a guess anyway. So f- he's a forward who's six seven, so he's a short forward. So you know, based on the height, if it says a yellow forward, he's either going to be forward center, and based on the height, you can figure it out, right? Just talking this out loud for a second. And then age, he's a little older than people realize because he came out of college, I believe, as like a sophomore or a junior, uh, but he's 23. And then his number is kind of, I say kind of in the middle, 25 is a little high for the NBA, but you can at least kind of figure out from there to go down or go up, right? So um, now I'll go ahead and let you uh, react to what we just saw, but uh, we just asked PJ Washington on guest number one. We're also recording this on Tuesday, June 7th, so you'll know the result by the time you hear this.
1: And we do, I see... Got the conference, and he's younger than 23. So we got a little bit to go off of here.
0: Yep. So we basically know it's not in the southeast, which is great. So that kind of just completely gets us out of the southern part of the eastern conference. That's great. I can eliminate in my head a bunch of those teams. This is how I do it. I visualize the southeastern map and then go from there. We know he's not. A, so forwards gray. It's just hard on a put visual or non-visual podcast. But forwards gray. Height, here's the key. And this is why I do P.J. Washington. He's Smart, not a forward yeah. at all. And he's seven, but obviously with the gray means he's at least 6'. He has to be 6'4", or shorter, the right. guy. And then they are 22 or 21 because age is yellow. So talking out loud here, where are we going guess-wise? Because we know it's in the Northeast. So immediately I'm trying to eliminate teams. So I'm try- I, Emmanuel Quickly has been picked before so we can eliminate guys because I think there's so many NBA players I don't think they're going to repeat this early. Yeah, repeats are tough. Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't think they've ever done it to my knowledge, and I think you can track that on uh, Tracker dot calm i think is literally what it's called uh, but quickly's out right so we can eliminate right. the knicks anything else we know you know we can eliminate because the goal is to get this as fast as possible i'd like to get it into would be kind of nice yeah it'd be josh I mean, yeah yeah right quick so quickly the knicks that's out anybody else in the in let's start with the atlantic anybody else in the atlantic that you know of or, that we're eliminating
1: I'm trying to just think guards up in that part of the uh of the league here because
0: brooklyn see. Kyrie's out but right cam thomas maybe because he was a little older we can't rule out brooklyn i feel like brooklyn i think he's
1: stuck in college stuck around at lsu for a little bit yeah he
0: did and he's kind of short and his jersey number what is his jersey number though see i don't know because 25 so that's the only tough part about pj i think cam thomas is not a bad i think he might be a high jersey number though. that's the part that's killing me i feel like i could see i want
1: to say he is i just don't i couldn't tell you what it is
0: all right, so I feel like the Knicks – I'm not going to fully rule out – and also, yeah, actually, I think we do need to rule out the Knicks because their guards are – all of their guards that haven't been used already are older. So R.J. Barrett's been picked already. Quickly's been picked already. And then Derek Rose and all the other guys, Alec Burks, are all right. older.
1: They're all well so older 23.
0: New York's out. Got it. Great. The Nets, yep. we have – Cam Thomas is a possibility. Mm-hmm. So Toronto – Oh, my. Am I forgetting any guard other than Fran Van Fleet? This is bad. This is why I want to do this together. It's Scotty Barnes, but he's taller, I believe. Yeah, he is. He's And he's 6'8", uh, 6'9"-ish. And he's, yeah. I think, even younger than this guy. So, okay. So then am, are, are we just absolutely forgetting Malachi Flynn? Is he? Oh, gosh. Be, I think he's older. He's got to be. I think it's he's just
1: 24 at least. Yeah. yeah.
0: So Toronto, let's tentatively roll out. Because okay. I think that's probably right. Um. Oh gosh, I'm forgetting. Oh, the Celtics. We just, okay. Uh, <laughs> this is bad. So, ooh, okay. What about like an Aaron Neesmith or a Peyton Pritchard? It's got to be one of those, maybe on the Celtics, right?
1: Pritchard potentially?
0: Pritchard. Okay. I'm going to write. His number zero, I believe. Okay. So that's low. What about Neesmith? I think his number's pretty low too.
1: Is he, I'm trying to think when he got drafted, he, he might be a freshman.
0: I know He, wasn't yeah, he might be
1: older than 23, shooter, which would rule him out.
0: Okay, so it could be Pritchard, could be Neesmith on the Celtics. Got it? Okay. And then lastly, you have the Sixers. At this point, they've got to run out of Sixers because I feel like that – I've never looked this up, but I assume the Sixers have been picked the most other than the Suns.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I think been, Maxie has to have been done by now.
0: He has? I'm pretty sure it's been him. I think he has. I think it's been Tybal. I think it's been – Right. Shake Milton has been picked. It's been – Yeah. They've had a bunch of dudes. I think they had Millsap when they still had him. I mean,
1: Corkmaz potentially.
0: I think Corkmaz was picked. And Drummond was. Yeah, at this point, they've yeah. run through every single <laughs> All right, so Sixers are out. We're not yeah. going to, unless we're forgetting some random, like, you know, who's that guy from the Nets really early on, David Duke or somebody stupid like that. <laughs> yeah. I think we're good. All right, so let's move on to another division. Let's just completely talk this out so we can get this in two or three. So okay. the Nets, it could be Cam Thomas. The Celtics, it could be Pritchard or Smith. The Central is actually the division I have to think the hardest about because it's regionally it's hard hard division. Uh, but we do know it's Detroit, Indiana, Cleveland. Milwaukee, Chicago, Cleveland. Bingo. Yeah, those are five. Who immediately is jumping out to you? Because I'm trying to think, like, Colin Sexton maybe, but wasn't he a little I, bit older out of Alabama? I, I
1: think he's older. My mind went to Cleveland immediately just because of the young talent they have. I think Akora would be considered a forward he would. for this.
0: Yeah. So. I think he's actually been picked too now that I think about it. Okay, so – it, can we rule out Cleveland? I don't think we can because they're so young. Garland Jackson, forgetting. might
1: be older than 23. I'm trying to remember.
0: No, he was a freshman. I'm pretty sure he was a freshman out of Vanderbilt. He's one done. Okay, I think he was, yeah, because Vanderbilt doesn't get them often. I remember seeing that. So Garland actually might be a really good guess. Okay. Okay, let's Cancel go. With, him, yeah, Garland and for Cleveland. All right. Let's go with – I don't think Indiana has a young guard unless it's somebody, well, like, really bad that I'm – Halliburton,
1: but I don't know if he's young. He's, he was, he yeah. was a
0: sophomore out of Iowa State. So I might put right him right at 24. Yeah. yeah. And what draft class was he, 2018, 2019? Yeah, he would be at 24, 25. I think 19, yeah. He'd be getting really close. So, I he I don't know, man. I hate to rule him out. He's so I still don't think
1: he's 22. There's no way he's 22. So that rules him Or out.
0: 21 even, too. That's the right, idea. Yeah. It could yeah. be either one. All right. If you're confident on that, I'm going to mark Tyree. I'm going to mark Indiana out as a whole because every other guard is old. So Brogdon. Brogdon, yeah. Sorry. 33 uh, year old Malcolm. No. Uh, <laughs> I actually have no idea who he is. So uh, Chicago. Jasumu's been picked already. So we can completely eliminate Jasumu and I'm pretty okay. like a junior when he came out. So
1: He stayed I, at Illinois for a while.
0: I, I use out, which I think that makes Chicago out because I'm pretty sure every other guard is. Lonzo's yeah. not. Yeah. Lonzo's out. We're just thinking about the top tier, guys. Obviously, if it's a bench player, we're going to get to the division and the team eventually. But I think right. we can roll out Chicago entirely.
1: Yeah, I think you're right.
0: I also so think that we leaves... can roll out Milwaukee. <laughs> That's where I'm struggling. I don't I think see
1: we're... them. Grayson
0: Allen, maybe? No, he was, he's was a yeah, senior at Duke. Okay. Yeah, he was a senior at Duke. That's good. good thought, though, because I don't think...
1: I'm trying to think a bit more obscure just in case.
0: Yeah, like maybe there's a point guard that they drafted recently. No, they didn't draft point guards recently. I don't think they a have. Yeah. It's been like your Jordan noir, Noirs of the world, I think. Yeah. Uh okay, Bucks tentatively and no. And then plus at the left. Detroit. This is this is where I thought it was gonna get weird. Because we know yeah. it's not Cade. Cade's too young. Cade's out. Right. Corey Joseph's been picked before and he's obviously way too old. He's out. I'm trying mm-hmm. to eliminate guards in my head.
1: Right. Jeremy Grant's a forward. Isaiah Stewart's a forward center.
0: I feel like we're missing a young guy on Detroit. That's why uh, i Yeah, try I'm trying to, to do out.
1: process eliminations down the guys mm-hmm. that I'm aware of actively. Um,
0: Detroit point guard or shooting guard that's relatively young, relatively short. Has Kate had a backcourt made at any point that's not old? I don't know so far. I don't know. Oh, goodness.
1: Who do they get from Sacramento? He's definitely too old now. Bagley? There's no way.
0: Yeah, I, don't th- I think Bagley was the only piece in that trade. Right. Um, man. Okay. So realistically, maybe it's not them, but maybe they're kind of if it's if it's Detroit, then we'll just figure that out based on this guy's yeah. guess because Garland out of the Central Garland's right. the only guess. Cam yeah, do we Thomas guess Garland is well out the Central? We could, uh, and that's at that point you're basically assuming it's Garland in that division, and we either get it in two on Garland, or we know it's the Central, and we have three guesses in the in the Atlantic. Excuse me. That's so Do true we want to do? Do we want to do Garland, and then just assume the Central we're out on, or do we want to? Just swing for the fences with either Cam Thomas, Peyton Pritchard, or Aaron Neesmith. Because, yeah, I think the finals, too. It could be Pr- Pritchard. I really do think it might be. But, no, 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 wait. I think he was I think he was old coming out, wasn't he? I think he was kind of older. I think he Out of was, Oregon? I'm trying to think.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. So, he'd have been 21, 22. Yeah. That's he was point.
0: He was the draft before Neesmith, wasn't he? Because they went back-to-back yes. on guards. Yeah. So, then it can't be Pritchard. Pritchard was Yeah, because he'd be too old. Was Pritchard 19 or 18? I think he was 18. Oh, man. What draft was that? Because the Neesmith Smith is what messed me up because Neesmith was supposed to be the best shooter in that draft, and I can always remember that for some reason. <laughs> I don't what draft was that though? Oh my gosh, I'm so mad at myself. Was Neesmith oh. the Zion draft? I think he was. I, I want
1: to say he was.
0: So then it can't be Pritchard or it, it could be Neesmith Smith and not Pritchard then. Assuming Pritchard was like a sophomore or a junior coming out of Oregon. Because why would he have some crazy run with Oregon as a freshman of somebody I've never heard of? Him? I'm pretty sure he was older. Pretty sure he right. was like Chris Duarte kind of. Oh, said, wait.
1: Oh, yeah. That's... Oh, I'm speaking so glad of, I
0: said that. Okay.
1: Speaking of the devil.
0: Oh, no, no, no. He's 24, 25. He was like Cam Johnson's age almost. Is okay. he? Okay. All right, Crisis averted because we yeah, looked, I, both mad. of us light bulb went off when I said that. Oh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> all right. So I think we have to go Garland based on how I would play this. Garland would get yeah, completely the center out of the way unless we have completely goofed. And then right. at that point it's either Cam Thomas or Peyton Pritchard <laughs> or D. Smith. I don't really know. Right. All right, yeah. Let's go with Darius Garland, and I hope this is right. Oh no! Oh, uh, that's it's what hard. I was afraid of. <laughs> that's what I was afraid of too. Okay. So for those that uh, obviously are listening and they can't see this, which is everyone, uh, it is not Cleveland. We got the conference, like he said earlier. We've got the Central Division. As unfortunate Sadly. as this is, yeah. I actually think this was a great guess though because you got the age, too. Yeah, we got the age we got the number below 10 without any That's, yellow. Yeah. And these, I forgot Garland was really short. <laughs> that actually wasn't a great guess from. I'm surprised by 6-1,
1: to be
0: honest. But it kind of gives us, okay, we know they're an average height guard. I guess that doesn't really help. The number was really good, though. Recapping. East is green. Central's green. Guard is green. And age yep. is green. Unfortunately, it means we know it's a central guard who is. Yeah. All right, so it would be not 6-2, not 6-3. Here's how I like to figure this out. So 6-7 would not be 6-6 six, six and 6-5. Six, right.
1: It's going to be 6-4. have, six, six, four. They have to be.
0: All right. So 6-4. Yeah. Bingo. 6-4. Number below 10. Age 22 in the Central. We have to get this now. This, this is, is yeah. If we don't get this in three, I'm going to be real. <laughs> so Cleveland's out completely. Right. What we have left is Indiana, Chicago, Milwaukee, and Detroit, and I have a feeling it's going to be that, those darn Pistons. Oh, no. Yeah, I
1: can't get All away right. from it either.
0: Let's talk this out loud. It's not Chris Duarte. No. Tyrese Halliburton could be 22, because if you go to Iowa State at 18, 19, 20 would be your... It's got to be Tyrese Halliburton. He's 6'4". Yeah, I think. that's... No, the height range eight. is right. What's his number? I think he's like number 10. I think he's somewhere in that number. Is he see, I'm trying is the to remember because he might have changed numbers when he left Sacramento. What was he in Sacramento? I can see the jersey on Twitter in my head of that king's fan at the finals. I can see it.:
1: I can't do. Did he switch though?
0: I don't know, but if we can get his king's number, we might be able to get this right or wrong <laughs> Which is where I'm trying.
1: Oh, man. Man, I want to say single digits, but again, I'm not I'm not very confident in that.
0: well fox was Fox was three. I'm seeing a single-digit number in my head. Maybe it's one. Maybe it's 11. Maybe it's one of those. I don't know. Mm. This is fun. This is tough. Okay. Yeah, this is this is good. So I'm glad we did it this way because playing against each other would have been really <laughs> kind of boring for a podcast. Uh, okay, so we can't rule out India. Let's try to rule out more. Chicago, okay. I think we can absolutely get, out, get rid of because I use the youngest or Desumu, right. whatever, however you want to say it. Desumu is their youngest guard. Lonzo's 20-something now. No way he's 22. I'd be oh yeah that. Absolutely yeah. not. Uh, and then, like, I think they had a veteran of some kind on that roster, so that's outside of that. I'd be shocked if it was Chicago, I'll say. yeah. Unless you can think of anybody. I think I'm going to officially rule out Chicago. I think that would be fair. I'm good with that, yeah. Milwaukee, again, unless there's just absolutely – this young guy that I just can't think of, and I'm not trying to think too hard about the last three drafts. I don't think it's no, either because they've been mm-hmm. in title contention with older guys for a while. They've traded a lot of pieces. pieces. DiVincenzo would have been even a bad guess because he was old coming out of that uh that out of Villanova. I almost said Archie Giacchano and then I'm like, there's no way <laughs> he, he did the same thing and he was before him, wasn't he? So Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. So worst case scenario just happened. Indiana and Detroit. Yeah. This is <laughs> I didn't watch many Pistons games. I'll be honest. I, I made my official public apology. I think it was in <laughs> post All Star break. Uh, so, yeah, I
1: really can't yeah. think of anything but Halliburton to be honest.
0: Yeah, I don't want to think too hard about this because it's got to be Tyrese Halliburton.
1: It just feels. Yeah.
0: All right. Official guest. Go with Ty- right. okay. Tyrese Halliburton. And it's not wow. Okay, he was. Six. He just... I'm pretty sure he's six. I was pretty sure he might have been six <sighs> five. I didn't say it, but I was. He just oh, didn't
1: lie about his height. He would have had that. All right, so... we got the jersey number. He's number <laughs> that's zero.
0: The, that's the part that made me mad. <laughs> so <laughs> to recap: <laughs> East Green, Central Green, Guard Green. We know he's six four. We knew that already. Yeah, we got the age, and like he just said. <laughs> zero we've got the number
1: we literally we, we, yeah we approached pretty 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 everything because we knew he was six based on the last guess so we they're just missing the team I out i haven't my number zeros in the league lately unfortunately
0: and and to be fair josh got this in in four so i'm thinking he probably got detroit because at this point i think it's detroit and it's whoever the heck wears number zero for detroit that's young right and i don't know if i
1: could for a million dollars confidently answer that
0: yeah, if this was like Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, we were sure. I'd be phoning all kinds of people. Zero. I'd be calling a Pistons front office member as fast as possible. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be the only one to get this right. Is Dwayne Casey still there? I think he is. Is Dwayne Casey still there? I'm trying to think. Like, I'm just trying to yeah. think maybe something that would just give me a light bulb. Because I'd be so mad if we got this in five. It'd be so annoying. <laughs> no, we It'd be better for the, content. But...
1: the pressure's on with Josh getting in four. We got to at least yeah. match that. If
0: I didn't know that, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have kind of. I wish. I, I almost wish he hadn't have told us that.
1: All right. that's true too. That would take some pressure off.
0: Uh, all right, so I wish we, like he would come in just for the last, like for literally. I'm surprised the he didn't pop
1: back seconds. in yet. Just like laugh at us. Yeah,
0: yeah, right. He pops in. and He goes, <laughs> "We finish it in eight, and he's like, "I got right. it four, yeah. and then that's the end <laughs> of the episode. Yeah. All right, so all right, back to Detroit because at all this right. point I, I can't
1: I'm stuck on them too. I think that's yeah.
0: You know what's crazy is I I, I forgot about Corey Joseph, and the reason I remember Corey Joseph a Piston is because of Pirtle. So. It's <laughs> gotta be a similar situation to the day that Corey Joseph was the player. I just can't think of who Detroit's players are. I'm really struggling and we're not it's doing silhouette. Luca
1: Garza, there's no way. He's like, 40, oh no, it was something. his
0: draft though. Yeah, I think it's his draft. Yeah, but he yeah. He was yeah. a high number, I'm
1: pretty sure. There's no yeah, way. He
0: was, yeah, no, no, but he was he was like in the he was like in the uh in the teens of that or in the late teens of the second. Right,
1: yeah, yeah. No, he's, he was, yeah.
0: They had a guard that draft. You're right. It's whoever the guard in that draft was. Not Isaiah Livers, no. Wait, I think it might be Isaiah Livers.
1: I was throwing like I'm trying to think like basketball card wise, like
0: who do I pick? I'm like, oh, that's going in trash. I I keep every rookie guard right now. Uh, you just never know. <laughs> in this market, I really do. Uh, oh gosh, okay. Right, I'm gonna write down Isaiah Livers before we forget. First of all, okay, because <laughs> it really might be. Okay, so is he? I don't know what his number is, but. Uh, He's a, young, no. he's a young, short guard for Detroit. We that's just the that. first name
1: that popped in my head. Guard West. Yeah.
0: I'm going to give it another minute. And if that's the only guess, then that's okay. what we have to go with. <laughs> and that'll tell, if, that'll tell us the mistake of Detroit or not. So I guess we'll spend the next 30 seconds and I'll cut out whatever silence happens. I don't know who this could be. <laughs> and he is Detroit. a guard, right? I'm not yeah, misremembering this. Yeah. Okay. No, I think you're right. I think Isaiah Livers is a great pull because I have a couple of his rookie cards, but I, I can assure you today I would not have gotten that oh, I'm just no. trying to
1: pull names from the ether right now and see if we can get one.
0: I used to guess Sadiq Bey for similar reasons for P.J. Washington, but I think they sometimes list him at guard, and I think that would have helped us today. That would have been a great first guess. P.J.'s been good to me. Unfortunately, it wasn't good. No, that system
1: that works well, I agree.
0: I mean, if it's the West, though. I, I mean, I got it one time, while we're thinking out loud. I got it one time when it was, uh, I, think it, I think it was Paul. I think Chris Paul was it a few weeks ago. or Somebody <laughs> like old in the West or something like that. Yeah. Or Russ, maybe. One of those older guards in the West. And I guessed PJ, and like everything was wrong. It was like West, wrong oh, vision, no. <laughs> old, yeah, you know, low well, number, shorter, yeah. shorter. Yeah, and and I just went, I'm gonna meet in the middle somewhere. I'm gonna go really old, and I think I got it right two or something. So, you've never got it in one before. I feel like you would have told me right. I'm, I'm just gonna digress. No, I,
1: there was a. Th- thunder when i got in two i'm trying to remember who it was there's also a thunder when it took like seven to get
0: so it was, it was uh, jre i remember that's exactly yeah it was <laughs> robinson
1: Earl and i was like there are of... no more forwards on this team and of yeah. course i missed oh, the crazy. most recent edition.
0: it was uh, there's a youtube video out there uh from ko K O t4q if you uh for those that have never heard of him you can look it up he actually did the same thing on that day and he i remember it, <laughs> i remember it hilariously because i got jre pretty quick i think i got it in five but after I watched his video after that day, and it was like every single player was like the same height, same age, same position. for Yeah, you sent me that too. I, I couldn't believe it. Crazy. Yeah. I was, like, I was wow, pulling like kind of Moses
1: strong. Brown, Isaiah Roby, everybody could think <laughs> it of. It everybody. Poku, yeah, none of them.
0: Um, okay, so back to possibly Detroit. I think Isaiah Livers might be it. Yeah, I tweeted the uh, day of – I didn't tweet afterwards in replying to that tweet what, what the one was I got. But I got the day it was Carmelo Anthony because I just – Oh, really? <laughs> I was just like, it's Mellow. Yeah. I wouldn't put it in, and I just I screamed. I was like, oh, my God, it's Melo. Uh, yeah, oh, I couldn't believe I got that. That's Still. good stuff. I've only gotten the NFL one a couple times because I just I just guess – That Jones one gets over over me all again. the time. I, yeah. I just guessed Mac Jones until he, until he was a y- young quarterback. I figured it'd happen eventually. So. All right. I think we're going to have to go with Isaiah Livers, and if not, we're going to take the sale because at that point, we're going to figure it out Okay. Much. All right. Isaiah Livers for guess number four, unfortunately. Oh, no. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, that's not great. So they list him as a forward who's 6'6". That's a choice. Yeah. Okay.
1: Where's 12, not zero? That doesn't help. It's Twenty-three. I wasn't so too far off with that.
0: No, was. I knew that was a good guess. I just, I yeah. thought he was. I thought he was right. Uh, Cleveland, Indiana, Detroit can be eliminated. So now, oh gosh, it's Detroit. It's uh, Indiana and I'm sorry, not Indiana. It's Chicago, Chicago and Milwaukee. Or... Milwaukee.
1: Wait, wait, Josh is going to kill us.
0: Are we dumb? Did we have yeah,
1: to. Yeah. Who I... is it? Say it. I Think Bulls guard. We missed the young guy. There's got. He, there's no way he's twenty-two though.
0: Oh, I thought you knew it. You sounded so confident. I was like, "Oh, it's that guy." I just
1: pulled another guard, Kobe White.
0: Oh my god, it's Kobe. There's White. no way he's 22, yeah, he, right? He's Kobe. Yeah, you think? I think he was a. So- I think he was a sophomore.
1: I mean, at this point, why not?
0: It's Kobe White, and Josh is a Carolina fan. Is it? Oh yeah, it
1: is. Wow. It is. Oh, oh my god. My god.
0: Oh, so we're gonna man. edit
1: this out. Yeah, and Not right. tell him. We're gonna. Oh, this will be our second guest. I don't know what. Maybe I was like, there's gotta be. I started thinking about the benches for Milwaukee and Chicago.
0: Well, they drafted him, and then like two years later, they trade for Lonzo Ball and they just stick right, him yeah. to the curb because DeSumo was a better player. Right. I thought I was like, Kobe White yeah. was going to be a great guard. I had him in that draft. Spoiler, because I didn't post these publicly back then. <laughs> I had him sixth in that draft. Uh, yeah, I had that was it very not high.
1: Far off consensus either. So, I mean, yeah, I was <laughs> I just thinking bench it. guards, and I was like, it can't be Milwaukee. It's got to be Chicago. And I was just thinking, who's off that bench? And Kobe White, and I was like, like hey, 22, but apparently, yeah. So,
0: zero should have Gave it away too. We should have thought. The yeah, fact that I... <laughs> and that showed you, honestly, solo, it would have taken me as soon as we got, as soon as I guessed, like, I would have guessed eventually, like a Chicago player, I would have guessed a even though I knew he was.
1: Right. I would have done it out of frustration here. Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, okay. To recap, Goby White, Chicago Eastern Conference. I'm so mad. I don't even want to read <laughs> this. Central Division guard who's six foot four, 22 years old. And unfortunately for us, the number zero. So,
1: Guess number, don't worry about
0: it. Yeah, guest number, stupid. I'm so mad. All right, Um, while we figure out uh to get Josh back here to close up the show. uh, No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> go ahead and get your shameless plug. Uh, you're going to get him two weeks in a row, so just whatever you want to oh, say yeah. next week, so, this week, whatever. Shameless plug out of the way, and then we'll close it out.
1: Yeah, so in my plug debut. Uh, I've actually started a podcast with two of my college roommates of mine, the 1009 Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at the 1009, the O being the letter O uh, we'll be more active on there in the future. We've we'll been putting some episodes out. It's pretty rough around the edges right now, but we're hoping that as our audience grows, that our, uh, our skills with this whole thing will grow as well. And I want to thank Trevor for having me on in relief of Josh, the poetal and hopefully soon trivia King again. Um, it's been fun again. I was expecting to come on next week. on um, enjoyed draft chat. So the, uh, the unexpected spot uh, has been fun as well. So I appreciate you guys having me on again.
0: Yeah, I'm just glad, like Mark Jones, you were uh, taking your dog to the vet. Next thing you know, you're apparently on a flight (laughs) to uh, Golden State. So uh, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, Once again, uh, as weird as this sounds, I'll see you next week.
1: Yeah, same time.
0: This has been the Two Pointers Podcast. Don't (laughs) forget to follow on uh, Twitter, at Two Pointers. Instagram is at Two Pointers Podcasts, and then Facebook.com slash The Two Pointers Podcast, as well as that for TikTok. Uh, It's been a lot of fun. This has been the Two Pointers Podcast. I'm Trevor.
1: I'm Grayson, replacing
0: Josh for now and we suck at Purtle.